Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, for, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> the New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. We've got a couple of big things to talk about. Obviously, we're going to get into some big Wrestle Kingdom 15 business. Uh, I think we'd also like to talk and give a little memorial respect to the fallen Brody Lee. Great superstar, great man. Um, but before we get to that, I want to start on some good news because we've had so much bad news throughout all of 2020 and heading into 2021. Uh, friend of the show, Corey has recently got engaged. But more importantly, my fucking co-host, <laughs> the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan, has also been engaged recently. Congratulations, friend. I, I had to show up Corey, basically. He got engaged, and I was like, oh, hold on. I got to cash in my money in the bank. <laughs> yes, we got to show him up. Uh, oh, he had a great comment on a, on a, my Facebook post about it, and he was like, congrats to my longest reigning best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Longest reigning and defending. Have you yeah. fought off uh, other suitors? <laughs> mm. Yes, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Corey. Congratulations to you. But uh, yeah, Joe, tell us about the joy of uh, in entering into the engaged life. And uh, presumably someday in the future, once the world calms down a little bit, uh, getting married too. Yeah, uh, the pressure is definitely off now, which is nice. Like leading up to the engagement, it is... Uh, so much anxiety um so i got offered uh aaron's grandma unfortunately passed away it's a a little over a year ago now and her dad offered me her ring um to like re like um i could use the diamonds basically to like model the kind of ring aaron wanted and so (laughs) between covid and all that (laughs) We weren't able to get out anywhere until finally it was like Thanksgiving uh, weekend, like the weekend right after Thanksgiving. We get to the jeweler and the guy was, I was like, is there any way you can get to this to me by Christmas? And he was like, yeah. But then he was like, oh, what a G. Uh, it might, get, might get delayed a little bit because they had to do a CAD design in order to design the band I wanted. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to delay it a little bit. And I was like, he's like, but I still think I can get it to you by Christmas. And I was like, great. And like I'm stressing out the whole like each day and stuff, and finally he calls me his Christmas Eve morning. <laughs> he goes, "I oh, have wow. it." So I had to like I, <laughs> Aaron definitely knew something was up because I couldn't even think of an excuse. I was just like, "I'm going out." 
<laughs> and like picked up the ring and ended up coming home with like a bottle of wine because we were gonna uh go to her mom's house for dinner that night so i was just like i have a bottle of okay. wine for dinner <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah oh, and then amazing. that night um uh i decided to do it at that night at christmas eve um so that aaron's mom could get like the candid pictures of the proposal so mm-hmm. wow look at you true gentleman Right on Christmas Eve, in front of the bomb, bottle of wine. Classy as fuck, man. But yeah, now I'm... You know what? I, I just walked up to Emma when she was sitting on the couch one day. I was like, all right, so you want to get married? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> That's all I did. You went way and beyond, man. That was awesome. She's going to remember that forever. Uh, Yeah, but now that all the pressure's off me. Now it's wedding planning a month. Uh, the both of us, but that's just way less pressure, so I'm okay with it. Exactly. It's like, it's like a relay race. You just handed off the baton, like, all right, I did all the work, now it's your turn. Yeah. You you go make the wedding that you want and tell me when to show up and I'll be <laughs> When there. to write the check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, tell me where to sign the checks. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's going to be killer. Uh, you know, once once there's a good time and place for it, we're going to have to celebrate the uh, the awesome wedding of the New Jersey kid to love of his life. What do you think? You're going to make uh, some little uh, New Jersey kid juniors? Oh, definitely, yeah. We're definitely having kids, so. Of course. you got to have some people to carry on your legacy. You know, it's important because someday, as much as I don't like to think about it, someday me and you are going to pass on. Unfortunately. Just like the great uh, Brody Lee. Oh, man. I can only hope that people could remember us in, like, half of the light that people remember him in. Like, what a fucking great guy. I... Don't know, and there's because there's been good guys that have passed away in the wrestling business, right? But I don't know. I haven't seen mm-hmm. anyone get the praise that Brody Lee has. Mm-hmm. Like just un, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? Unimpeded. Just like there's just been like, pray there hasn't been like, oh yeah, he was an okay guy. Basically, it's been all like, this guy was the nicest, the funniest, like cared about his family so deeply. Like that's totally obvious from everything that has happened mm-hmm. um and yeah and to just unite the wrestling world i'll say yeah for sure and you know what it's a uh, i'm trying to remember the exact quote that cody used but basically the uh thing that he had said as an essence to sum up kind of like john huber the man was talking about that like you, know, you judge a man by how he treats people that he has nothing to gain from and he was saying like that was the kind of guy that you know Brody lee that john huber was it was like he was just really solid to like everybody that he met would just help you out like even if there was nothing in it for him and i think that's probably a lot of where this is coming out from like all these people in the community all these fans and whatnot are just like showing these stories about him because that was just who he was yeah like he wasn't concerned about trying to become like the biggest star he wasn't like fucking people over trying to make the biggest paychecks he was trying to do what he loved he was trying to do it really well and he was trying to respect people along the way and you know be a good dude well, I think, and it, it just goes to show you that it's usually the best people are the ones that have had the hardest path. Because, like, he mm-hmm. didn't get his breakthrough until very late in his career. He wasn't, I think, what was he, like, late 30s when he got into WWE, I think? Yeah, yeah, timing-wise, because, yeah, he was 41 when he passed. Yeah. So, yeah, he wouldn't have gotten into WWE until his 30s. Yeah. And, like, that's that's considered, like, late in a wrestler's career, but, like because he had that such a hard path he was like 
it, uh, and it, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him. Got to see him wrestle in person a few times, but uh, mm-hmm. just sounds like the nicest, greatest guy ever. And it was just such a shock, right? Like, there's those mm-hmm. deaths, right, that you go, oh, yeah, like, kind of see it coming, so to speak. But this was just like, whew. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, like, yeah, with whether somebody's really old or if somebody has, like, some really bad substance abuse issues, like, something. But, like, yeah, he just kind of got sick. Like, they did a lot to keep it, you know, under wraps to keep the family, you know, so they would have their privacy in dealing with this tragedy. And then, bam, all of a sudden, here it is. Yeah, it really, really sucks. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. It does hit so hard because he was such a humble, such a good guy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, weirdly enough, too, because, right, like, he was also, like, so much younger than you'd almost kind of think he was. And so I think because of his age, too, that also makes it so shocking. Uh, especially for, like, you know, me and you, like, we're both, like, 30 or 31 now. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like, that's not that much older than us, dude. No. Like, that's 10 years older than yep. us. Like, <laughs> and just to think, like, fuck, like, we could just drop dead. I think that's part of what makes it so shocking, is too, is just that he was in such good health and wasn't that old. But then he's gone. Exactly. Uh, and just one last yeah. thing on uh, this news story is fuck Bruce Mitchell and anyone who supports him can go to hell. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, Bruce Mitchell's pretty rough. Uh, but in also on the opposite side, I want to say great job, AEW. I think the oh way that they God. celebrated and handled his passing was a, like the standard yeah. for how you should be treating these wrestlers with respect. And you know, the way that they even brought in like Brody Lee Jr., like, oh my gosh, I was like having to fight back tears when I just looked up clips of it. Oh, we were so good. Aaron and I watch it live. And even Aaron, who like doesn't know the history of someone like Brody Lee and stuff like that, she was even like tearing up a little bit. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even show Emma the clip, but I was just explaining it yeah. to her the story. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm almost having to like fight back tears. And this like, was even because it's such a Aaron was even crying was at the story. just him being in the suit at ringside. Like, she was yeah. like, oh, my oh, God, gosh. that's, like, she's like, that's so heartbreaking, but so, like, great at the same time. Like, it, it's such a mix of emotions, like. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's really kind of when you're doing it right in a lot of ways, because, like, they're honoring the fact that it is sad, and they're letting all those emotions be there, but they're also, like, kind of doing something with it. Like, I think something to really honor his memory. You know, so that I would, I would imagine, you know, who knows what it'll be in retrospect, but I would imagine that hopefully his wife and then Brody Lee Jr. can look back at this like in the past, like and look at it and be like, all right, yeah, that was a way to honor my father. Yeah. And also, you know, future AEW wrestler, Brody Lee Jr. Yeah, yeah. If he keeps going down that path, then yeah, it'd be very like that would be some insane continuity and callback. Like, you know, for ten years or whatever from now. Oh well no. if he's old enough to be a wrestler, then he does become one. Did you hear he has a contract with AEW? He signed a contract. Yeah, but I figured that's kind of... Oh, I think yeah. that's legit. Like, if they're still a company when he gets older, I think he has a job. Like, Well, sure, but then he would also have to decide to be a wrestler. That's know? true. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see him... Like, maybe even right now, he probably thinks that that's what he wants to do. Yeah. But, like, you know, he could change his mind. You know, he could eventually look at it and be like, look, like, I fucking love wrestling. It helped my dad. Like, my dad loved it. I love watching him do that. But, like, you know, maybe I want to do something else. Like, maybe he 
even though it's not like Brody died from like a wrestling injury, like who knows, maybe his body was way more beat up from all those years of wrestling and maybe he would have been able to fight off whatever disease he had if he hadn't wrestled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm just thinking there's so many factors that could go on in his head Mm -hmm. that maybe eventually he's like, you know what? I don't want to be a wrestler. I don't want to die young. Like, but maybe he also will like want to carry up his father's legacy and be like, fuck it. I don't know how long I have to live. I'm going to go out there and stake my claim in the same way my dad did, you know, and either way, as long as it's up to him, then it's like good for him. But yeah, I, I think that just to, yeah, to wrap that up, yeah, I think AEW itself did a really great job. And it's really refreshing to see a company really pay proper respects when compared to like WWE, who for so long has just shat on people. And it's sad to see. Yeah, exactly. It's just nice to see the respect. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's obviously you want companies to treat people with respect anyway, but especially in a company where your employees are literally putting their lives on the line for you. I think that's a whole nother level of, you should show these people some damn respect. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of respect, we have big titles to defend and talk about, including our own. Hmm. uh, Our predictions contest is over Wrestle Kingdom 15. We got the double titles on the line. We got big feuds happening. We got two nights full of action. Are you ready for some predictions? Yeah, but uh, before we get into the predictions, I have a question for you. How do you feel about, like, cause okay. I, I just catch up on clips and stuff like that with New Japan, whereas you, you're a little more into mm. it. How do you feel going into this Wrestle Kingdom compared to, say, like, a last year? Especially with the two-night thing. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. I was definitely more excited last year. Right, because uh, like, I was even, I think, that that I think was... way more into it last year. I think last year drew in the casual fan more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think but that's this year is also going to be one of those things that's always going to have to just have a giant asterisk next to it because yeah. of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that COVID fucked up New Japan in the same way that it fucked up other companies. But I, I guess at the same time, it also did more. And let me explain that. So it didn't in that they were able to get crowds back in sooner so they could actually have like closer to proper shows sooner. Yeah. However, at the same time, I think that New Japan does a lot more long-term booking compared to most other companies. Yeah. And so because of that, whenever they have a big hitch like that, it's going to do a lot more damage comparatively. Well, yeah, um, especially they got hit so harder think... in terms of their roster, right? Like where, like at WWE, everyone's in the mm-hmm. States already. And whereas New Japan, like they get guys from all over the world. So like they lost a lot of those international guys because of the true, quarantine very, very true. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's a very good point and a very big factor, right? Is yeah, there's a lot of international talent that make up really integral key parts of their roster. So like, you know, now at this point we've got Jay White for Wrestle Kingdom and we had him for G one, but like up until then we didn't have Jay White like basically all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like Kenta, like we've been having him do the whole like US briefcase defense thing, which I kind of have fallen in love with the weird kind of way that he's turned this into a meme. Mm-hmm. But at the same time it's very frustrating because it's like, you know, where's moxley like it would be nice to just move on and either have moxley in a match and have him drop the title or be around or have him just relinquish it and then actually have the proper u.s title go on again so that's that's kind of frustrating that's definitely been a resident um like a result of this year with definitely COVID. and in general i think like it, it threw off a couple of their important plans but i think that they've rebounded 
pretty well. I think they've gotten back onto a very interesting sort of track. And I'm, I'm excited for Wrestle Kingdom 15. Not quite as much as Wrestle Kingdom 14. But I think that has a lot to do with just the fact that the year of COVID build has made it harder. Yeah. Because, like, their scheduling has been kind of fucked up. And then also just, too, like, the actual shows, like, the amount of people that can attend is less. And most importantly, during those shows, people aren't allowed to cheer. Mm-hmm. They can only clap. Yeah. So that definitely changes the atmosphere of those shows. Like, even though they've been having some fucking banger shows throughout this year, there were even some points where, like, it would get to the point where people would break the rules because they were so invested in what was going <laughs> on. In the best of the Super Juniors final this year, uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Desperado, there was this fucking point in the match where, like, Takahashi had, like, beaten the Desperado to the point where, like, part of his mask was ripping off. And so then as El Desperado actually completely unmasked himself, and then everybody fucking popped so loud. You could all hear them yelling, like, oh, my God! And it's like, holy shit, like... <clears throat> this moment is so big that these people are literally breaking their safety precautions to express how excited they are. Like, yeah. So I'll be excited to see how many, if, uh, if there are any moments like that at Wrestle Kingdom as well. But uh, yeah, comparatively, to answer your question in a very long about <laughs> way, still excited, but less excited than last year. Yeah, and I haven't seen if it's confirmed or not, but there is talk of, because of the new strain of COVID going around, that uh, Japan might shut down again. Um, mm-hmm. so it's unclear if they will actually let fans go to Wrestle Kingdom, so that's just something interesting to watch out for. Yeah, with things rapidly developing those kind of new ways, it's it's uh, rough, because I know that there was initially um, another sort of new restriction that they were saying that like the capacity is going to have to be changed from, initially 20,000 was the limit, and then they were going to lower it down to 5,000. That I think but, is definite, yeah. yeah. Even... So I yeah. think there will only be 5,000 that fans. might get even worse. Yeah. So I, I hope I hope they're allowed to run with five thousand fans. I think I'd be really sad if it had to be an empty, empty arena show. Oh my um, god, an empty Tokyo Dome is but, crazy. But like I don't know. I almost think that like that could be like a weird kind of like art piece thing, if what I think is going to happen comes to fruition. Because like I think, if I've read the tea leaves correctly, <laughs> Kodo Bushi is walking out night one and night two with the titles. And motherfuckers becoming God, turning heel. So I feel like in a weird way, if there's almost no people or very minimal people, like somehow that could almost work. To like leave, leave the silence, so to speak, which is what you want to end like the show sometimes. Yeah, kind of like a shock of silence of just like, what the hell has happened? And uh, yeah, just kind of like things are so in a bizarro world now. Like... They're like, how did Ibushi become evil? And now he's got the titles and there's no people in the arena. Like, I don't know. I feel like it could be a weird fever dream. <laughs> Maybe I've gone too crazy from the year of COVID that that's what I want now. <laughs> I, I definitely want fans there, but I, I'm pulling for my boy Ibushi. Pulling hard. Um, but yeah, as far as just, yeah, I really want there to be fucking fans in the building. Before I go farther, too, I want to say one of the things that's kind of like weirding me out between New Japan and AEW is what do you think of the idea of them potentially trying to work together in the future? Because there's a lot of talk back and forth. Uh, it seems like some people are trying to make headway and making it happen. Some people definitely seem like they don't want it to happen. 
and I'm very conflicted because like in a lot of ways I'd always kind of talked about how I wanted it to happen but like recently I've been kind of like I'm not sure if I want it to happen and I have a very specific holdup but uh I kind of want to get your thoughts on it before I go into it Uh, just like you know, the whole New Japan and AEW relationship. Uh, you cut out for a little bit there. What was that? Oh, uh, sorry. So I was going to say that I just was curious to see like what your thoughts are on the whole like New Japan and AEW relationship because I I want to give my thoughts on it, but uh, I wanted to hear what you're thinking um, first. It's it's really tough to tell on my end because the the biggest word was once Harold Mage was uh, let go from New Japan that it was like that was the hurdle. Right, that he was the one that was like really didn't want to form a relationship with AEW and things like that. But then I heard from mm-hmm. uh, was it Rocky Romero that like reports had come out that like him and uh, Tony Khan like talked every week, and he was like, no, no, <laughs> it's like we we talked like a couple times, but not like every week. It's just like a as things come up kind of a thing. So I. I think there's definitely, I think the inroads are starting. I just think it's going to be further down the road than what people think. Like, I don't think it's going to be something that happens within like a few, mm-hmm. it's like by the end of this year now. Oh yeah. No, like I think at, at bare minimum, like it's going to have to wait until like COVID clears up and travel between the U S and Japan is mm-hmm. easier again. Um, but, but even when it happens, my thought was, I think in the long term, it probably would eventually be a good idea for two reasons. One, in that I think that having some New Japan people get onto American TV would help boost New Japan's appeal and whatnot, get more people watching that. And then also on the other side, like sending some of the AEW people occasionally over to New Japan could really, I think, help kind of like season them up a little bit. Like, especially, I know that uh, Orange Cassidy was talking about, like, hey, when's best yeah. of Super Juniors? Like, I don't know, maybe Orange and Cassidy in the best of Super Juniors could be, like, a pretty good one year. Or, you know, throwing one of their tag teams in, like, the World Tag League, something like that. But my hesitation and my thought is is that I'm glad that it's kind of, like, a thing that can't happen yet because I also kind of don't want it to happen yet based around the Moxley situation. Mm. Because, like, with Moxley being the AEW champion, and clearly, you know, like they had to have plans for like when they were going to put the title on him, how long the title reign is going to be. Like they had to have some kind of plan yeah. for that. And then at the same time, New Japan had him as the U.S. champion. And I feel like the kind of weird incongruency that's happened between like these companies being able to talk together and manage him being the U.S. champion in one company versus the AEW champion in another company has really made me not interested in them working together more because this is showing to me how they work together and it's not working well to me. Like, if this is a microcosm of, like, what does the AEW and New Japan relationship look like? And it's like, oh, it's this fucking mess of a John Moxley situation where they either can't get the motherfucker over to Japan to drop the title or they can't just admit that they're never going to send him over there and then, like, relinquish the title or something. It's like, what is this stupid limbo situation we've gotten ourselves in with the U.S. title? And I kind of am not 100% sure whether more of the blame falls on New Japan or on AEW or maybe somehow on Moxley himself. I think it's probably one of those, like... And just the whole situation is All maybe of them kinda, at the same time. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. But yeah, just based on the whole muddiness of this situation, it's kind of made me like, ah, you know what? I used to be more excited about an AEW New Japan partnership, but if this is what it's going to result in, then I don't know if I'm excited about it anymore. Because like I just want the shit to yeah. be resolved one way or another. It's just so fucking annoying. Because <laughs> it just feels disrespectful to me, and it's like, yeah, I, I, I just I wish I knew where to more so point the finger. And there's a part of me that instinctually wants to point the finger at AEW, because I feel like just based on my instincts and based on booking patterns, I feel like New Japan wouldn't have wasted this much time with a non-title if they knew this was going to mm -hmm. be the situation. Like, they would have just been like, all right, look, John Moxley can't defend the title. Just like last time when he couldn't come in from a flight delay, he had to drop the title. I think it'd be very reasonable to say uh, he can't defend the title because fucking COVID has shut down the world. So, unfortunately, we have to relinquish the U.S. title, and now we're exactly. trying to do stuff with it. And I feel like the reason they didn't do that is because probably either Moxley or somebody at AEW was like, oh, yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out sometime soon. Like, well, don't worry. And then they just, like, mm -hmm. didn't do anything. And it's like, you motherfuckers. So that's, that's where I want to point the finger, but I don't know all the facts. What's the, what's the phrase? Uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's probably all somewhere clumped up in the middle. Anyway, shall we get on to uh, predictions, or is there anything else we want to touch on before? We nope, I think that? I'm ready for predictions. All right, here we go. So, night one and night two, or uh, I guess I should say, do you want to do night one and then night two, or do you want to do like kind of both of them together? Uh, let's do night one and then night two. I think that usually makes it easier, especially with they they do so many like conditional stuff. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that's fair. All right, cool. Sorry, night one. Uh, all right, I'm going to go for definitely the one of the two very easiest ones for sure. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Hiromu beats <laughs> El Phantasmo. Oh, really? You're not going with <laughs> El Phantasmo on that one? Somehow, somehow, I just I don't think they're going to do Bullet Club versus Bullet Club on that show. I don't. It just it just, just doesn't strike me as what they're going to do. I don't know. All right, well, if you're going with that one, I'm surprised you didn't go with the main event of that night. Because uh, I'm going to say Kota Ibushi beats Tetsuya Naito for both the heavyweight and intercontinental championships. Oh, man. All right, so, yeah. I mean, my heart wants to pick that one first, but my brain wants to retain my title. <laughs> so I'm picking the ones that I, have the, that I know the match results for more shortly. Because, yeah, that one, I... I definitely feel very confidently, both in my heart and actually in my head at this point, that I think Ibushi can win. But there's also still a very strong chance that Naito could You're win. right, but uh, I definitely think that, uh, like, because so Naito's had the reign now, and I get it hasn't been the reign that people probably have imagined because mm -hmm. of COVID, uh, but mm -hmm. it has been a very long time now, so I think it's okay for him to drop it. Like, people yeah. aren't going to look back at this one and go, oh, there was a transition or something like that, like... Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some people who will yeah. complain about it in that way. But yeah, I, I think that it's fine for him to drop it. Especially, too, because like this also feeds into Naito's fucking history with the title. Like, he does not have long mm -hmm. title reigns. And I think that's fine. Like, I think there's some people that, like, yeah, like, their thing is not that they have the long title reigns, but they're always constantly in the chase. And then they win it, but then they drop it again, you know. 
And every single time he has gotten through, I think, one defense and then he drops it. And that's exactly what he's done. He got through one defense power struggle. So then, boom, he'll drop it to Ibushi. So it fits the pattern. Um, but at the same time, like, I could see if they really wanted to, like, solidify the whole, like, final story of the double golden dash where, like, you know, he won it last year, two victories back to back. And then now at this Wrestle Kingdom, he defends it back to back. That could be kind of like a really interesting sort of bookend mm. as far as like True. the double title story and double champion story. And because he is facing like people in different orders and stuff like because like last year he fought Jay White and then Okada, and this white be this year be fighting Ibushi and then Jay White. So it'd be a little different. Especially because Ibushi brings out a completely different side of him. Yeah. And like He's going to be more fucked up going into night two this year than he would have been last year, for sure. Like, whoever makes it out of night one is going to be fucked up because Ibushi and Naito just, like, kill each other every time. So, like, I am so excited to see this match. Like, kind of, honestly, either way, I'm excited to see what happens. But, like, of course, I am pulling for Ibushi, even if I am having to pick Naito here for predictions. Uh, any other thoughts nope, for you uh, on this I'm match? I'm good on that one. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to go for the other one that I feel like is probably a pretty obvious one. I'm going to say that Kenta beats Satoshi Kojima to keep mm, the briefcase. Because yeah. I just, I really can't imagine why the fuck they would give it to <laughs> Kojima. And also, Ken. And honestly, the other thing that's kind of weird too is that. I was just going to say, oh, Kenta has been so entertaining with it. So that's why I don't see. That too. I think, I think Kenta's also been fucking gold with this thing. Like, I, I really want to see him keep this thing, and I, I really, am excited for like someday if he wins the U.S. title off this thing too. Like, it's just it's been such a build, and I don't know. I feel like he's been playing into it in a very fun way. Um, but yeah, also with like Kojima too. Like, he's just um, yeah, he's a dad. Like, I don't know. There's no point in really making him win this. Uh, all right, so what are you taking next? Oh, right, it's my turn now. Uh... Yeah, let's see. We got the the Rambo, which would be the final four on night one. We got the tag titles. We got Okada, Osprey, and Tanahashi Okada. I'm avoiding the tag titles because I've heard arguments for both of those teams winning, and I'm just so split on it. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. I'm yeah, going to jump one. to, and I'm going to say Okada beats Will Osprey. Hmm. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm torn sure on it too, yet, but I just but, uh, feel yeah, like ahead. Okada, the like not being in the title picture. Um, I could see a buildup of like, for example, if our predictions of Ibushi coming out with all the titles, I could see Okada's win here kind of catapulting him to like as a future uh, challenger for Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's actually a really good read on this match because I definitely think that in a lot of ways this is kind of like an unofficial number one contenders match for like who's going to challenge after Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah, like whether Okada wins or Osprey wins, I think they're going for it. And I think there's definitely a strong chance that Okada could win this. Um, not only in that, yeah, he's been out of the title picture for a while, so now it's time to come. Yeah, back it's like up. it's but coming also, up on like two years, uh, isn't it, that he hasn't been in title picture? No, oh, year, right, right, he dropped right. the title last year. It feels like two years ago. Yeah, well, 2020 <laughs> feels like a decade, so. 
don't blame you at all. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, Okada has also in this entire time since he dropped the title, he's not been doing the Rainmaker. He's been doing oh, yeah. the money clip and saving the Rainmaker. So I feel like this could be when the Rainmaker comes back. Is he finally busted out to fucking put like Osprey down? So that that would also feed into the whole Okada thing. But with Osprey having the brand new stable with the Empire, like he got the win over Okada at G1 with cheating. But I feel like if he got it here, even if he cheated, that would actually be really integral to him getting the Empire over. So like I think that narratively, in a lot of ways, it could make sense for Okada to win. But I think Osprey has a lot more to gain from winning than Okada does. And I don't think that Okada would look that bad losing here, especially if mm-hmm. Osprey cheated. If Osprey beat him clean, that would be rough. I think that shouldn't happen yet. But if Osprey cheats a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I think that could work. And he's being a cheeky, uh, cheeky bitch these days, so he could definitely cheat to win. Uh, all right, so let's see. Uh, all right, I'm going to take Tanahashi to beat the great Okan for my next match. Oh, you, you don't see the great like, Okan uh, getting a win over <laughs> I mean, I'm not completely counting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not completely counting mm-hmm. against it. But I do think that it's not likely. Like I'd put it like a seventy-five twenty-five kind of percent chance. Because like clearly Okan is gonna be set for good things, and I think he's actually done a really good job uh, since coming back from his curse. I've actually been really pleasantly surprised because I didn't really see that much in Oka before he left, but now he's come back and he's been doing this, and it's like it's pretty solid. He's actually a surprisingly good talker too. Um, but I think that. Him beating Tanahashi would be a little bit too much too soon as far as like trying to put him yeah. up too quickly. Uh, and then with Tanahashi's story here, just you know, being the kind of this year he's been declining, like that's the story is the mm-hmm. ace is trying to keep up. Uh, and he was having to rely on Kota Ibushi a lot in their tag team. Um, but now he's got nowhere else to go. He's just got himself. And I think him being able to hold on is the story here. And I think that it's interesting too because there was an element of him having to like counter the fact that Okan was attacking with a chair and he was saying that Tanahashi was like I didn't get into wrestling to hit people with chairs so I think this might be a little bit of like Tanahashi might have to play just a little bit dirty to win here so I think that Okan's going to look like he's going to get the win but then Tanahashi is like pulls a wily Mm. veteran move cheats just a little bit to get the win over Okan something like that like hits him with a chair with the ref doesn't look or something or maybe he's already been hit with the chair so he hits him back and then the ref's just like whatever Fair play, fair play. He hit you once, so yeah. you can hit him once. Like something like that. I think Tanahashi's gonna have to delve just a little into the dirty bucket. Put on the black hat a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So that, that's my thought on it. Uh any thoughts on you? Okay. Uh do we have any or do we we still have the tag team match from that night, don't we? Yeah, the tag team match and then the uh, the rumble thing that they have is going to go to the final four on night one, and then on night two yeah, is the, when they have the, uh, the four way. Okay, so the much easier match out of those two to predict then is the tag team match. <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> with Dangerous Techers, and 
it's because I heard, so I've heard the arguments, I'll, I'll explain here, was this is the first time that the Gorillas of Destiny, for the past, I think, four years, they said, or something like that, however long they've been a tag team in New Japan, this is the first time they, they haven't gone mm-hmm. into Wrestle Kingdom with the titles. Um, but also, mm-hmm. apparently, the Gorillas of Destiny, as a team, haven't won in the Tokyo Dome. Apparently, singles match they've won, but not together. And then uh, Dangerous Techers. Oh, forget what the stat was on them. But there was something about them with the Tokyo Dome or Wrestle Kingdom as well. I forget what it was. So I'm going with mm-hmm. Dangerous Techers winning just because I think that's the better story um, and could lead to a more interesting mm-hmm. storyline of Gorillas uh, of Destiny. Like maybe hinting towards them breaking up or something just to give them something different to do. Hmm. Because I think if they won, this will be the okay. seventh time yeah. they won the tag team titles. And it's just like, how interesting is that? Right. I get it would be a record or something like that, but like, <laughs> like how much, how many more different things can you do with them kind of a thing? Right. Yeah, so I, yeah, this one is definitely a really hard one to call. And there's a lot of factors going into it, but I, I would, I would, probably tend to agree. I think the Techers are probably going to win here, but I definitely don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as Techers winning, I think that basically a lot of the reasons for them winning are actually reasons for G.O.D. Mm. losing. And basically it comes down to two main factors for me. So you were right in talking about that they have like a Tokyo Dome curse and that they they constantly come in as like the defending champions and then lose the titles. But this time they're coming in as the World Tag Mm -hmm. League winners for challenging the titles. And so in winning World Tag League, they broke one of their two curses because they've never won oh, yeah, World yeah. Tag that League. Would be thing. So they broke that winning World Tag League. So I think if they broke both curses back-to-back, that might be too much too soon. So it's like, all right, you got World Tag League this year. Then maybe next year or another year, you can finally get your Tokyo Dome win. So for that one reason. And then reason number two is that uh, with COVID continuing on in the fucking absolute shit <laughs> way that it is, Basically, um, G.O.D. is in a way worse situation than Techers are because they're not from Japan. So their choice would be basically stay in Japan all year and be working or probably lose here at the Tokyo Dome and then go home and eventually come back to Japan later once things are more cleared Mm -hmm. up again. So I think probably for that reason, they're probably going to go home. They're going to lose here. And Techers, you know, Tai Chi is Japanese, so he's there and... Zach's been in Japan all year anyway, so probably not a big deal for him. Just keep staying there. I think he's got a new residence there, I'm assuming. So probably because of COVID, GOD's also <laughs> going to lose. <laughs> it's my thought. Because if it were different, then my other thought is why GOD could win is because they keep like building up this potential brew of like a uh, Bullet Club Civil mm. War storyline. And I think if G.O.D. got the titles, then you could have like G.O.D. versus whatever the tag team would be on the other side of the Bullet Club feud. Because like I would think that like G.O.D. would probably stick with Jay. Like if say that eventually there's a Bullet Club feud and it's down the lines of like Jay White's on one side and Evil's on the other side. Then I would say like G.O.D. probably stays with Jay. So then like whatever tag team would be mm. on Evil's version of Bullet Club. So it'd be like even like, up with team members. and team and stuff like that. And especially if, if there's any truth to the rumors of a potentially Guns and Gallows coming back, then, like, they could be, you know, you have, like, 
Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows versus G.O.D. Well, I think that's that definitely happening as soon as, like, travel is unrestricted. Because <clears throat> they've I think they've come out and said that on their podcast and stuff like that. Like, they built that into their uh, contracts with Impact. So they're like, we can go over to New Japan. So I think the hold, the hold up on awesome. that was just the restriction of travel, like that they would have to quarantine and stuff like that, which would take them away from Impact for too long. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Right. Yeah. So some interesting potential yep. future options there. Although, you know what? I mean, depending on what they wanted to do, especially with the tag titles, because, like, say if they wanted to drop it to G.O.D., bring them back to America, do New Japan strong, and then have Gallus and Anderson go to New Japan strong. Ooh, yeah. Where they do it in America. Like, maybe they could do tag title stuff I, there. I think I that know. would interest Carl Anderson more, because that was one of the big reasons for leaving New Japan in the first place, right, was to be in America and stay there. Uh to be closer to his family. Mm-hmm. So if they were like, hey, you'll get to do New Japan stuff, but in America, I'm sure he would be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd be all over that. All right, let's see. So last thing we have would be the uh, Rumble Final Four for that one. So my thought would be on this one, instead of this being worth like four points, let's say like whoever gets the <laughs> yeah, most whoever's, correct it's people. Like, whoever's closest without going over <laughs> Right, exactly. All right, so if you pick four people, uh, then I would pick four people. So yeah, you, uh, you pick so you checkers, get first. So I'll pick first in this. So I'm gonna say, uh, all right. I think that Suzuki for sure, because it's a travesty that he's not anywhere on these else on these cards, and I think it's because he's got to be in this for some reason. Also, he's the king of pro wrestling anyway. Like that's part of his fucking title. So I feel like he should win yeah. this motherfucker and become king of pro wrestling here too. So I'm gonna say Suzuki. Uh, Yano is the defending champion. I'm going to say Ishii. And then for my last one, um, I was going to say Goto, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say Yoshihashi. He's had a banger year. Let's, let's give a little bit of a highlight. So, yeah, my four, we'll see how close I get with it, is uh, Suzuki, Yano, Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Now am I allowed to like, uh, also pick some of the same guys? I think I think as long as you have I think as long as you have one different than yeah, me, because I fine. definitely wanted to go uh, Suzuki and Yano. Um, for the other two, is there a list anywhere of the participants? I don't think there's an official list. I'd basically, just be like everybody else on the roster would be eligible. I think outside of probably young players. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna. Prefer, but I don't I, think there's an uh, official list. I think Yo, because he's not anywhere else in the. Yeah. Oh. You think yes. like Yo returns here? Um. Oh, that would be hot. Who else? Who... Well, dude, all right. If if Yo returns here, then you got to pick Show. If, if you're going in, yeah. you got to go Fuck all it. in. I'll just so, go Yo and Show. That'd be yeah. insane. Because I, I at least wanted to get Suzuki and, and Yano. So. Yeah. Oh, dude, like I can't wait. Whenever Yo comes back, like I'm such a big Yo fan. I don't know why. Like. I fucking love Rapongi 3K. They're so good. Like, I love them as a unit, and I love them both individually. Like, I really rarely love that much of a tag team for so many elements of, like, you're both so good individually, and you're so great as the sum of your exactly. parts. Exactly. You, you rarely get that chemistry. Yep. 
And when you fucking throw in Rocky Romero, too, like, he's a great part to make it a trio. Like, and that's the perfect team for Rocky, better. right? Because, like, they do have their serious moments and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's also just, like, a fun act for him because, like, I think at this point he's mainly an office guy with, like, wrestling being kind of his side mm-hmm. hustle, so to speak, right? So. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's basically more like a an office guy slash rapper slash, slash producer <laughs> slash other, like, commentator slash... Yeah, slash podcaster who wrestles on occasion. He's the cult commander of Japan. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. I hadn't thought about that. I was like, wait, he just. I think, except for a rapper, I think Cult Cabana has done all those things. Yeah. Oh, Cult Cabana should start <laughs> rapping. That'd be great. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, all right. Night two. Night two. Culmination of Wrestle Kingdom 15. You got only six matches on this one. Uh, all right, let's see. Where am I most confident? Where am I most confident? Uh, all right, I'm going to pick the junior tag title match. I think that uh, Suzuki Goon, Kanemaru, and Desperado are going to retain mm-hmm. over Taguchi and Wado. Because uh, just uh, Taguchi's fine. Not, not, he can not <laughs> Wato, too soon for that boy. He, he is not yet uh, a grandmaster, he's not ready. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, I'm going to say Jeff Cobb wins the Never Openweight Championship from Shingo. Uh, I, I agree completely, dude. I think it's going to happen. Like, he's been steamrolling as part of the And just Empire. like they, they, did, they lost him for a while, right, with, the, with COVID. So um, I, think they've, I, think that's, I think that's why they brought him back and are like, just shoot him up. Like, let's just get him back into the title picture so mm-hmm. yeah also plus like i think that having a piece of gold in the empire will really help yeah put them over because like okada or not sorry okada osprey and okan aren't even competing mm-hmm. for titles so Cobb's the only one who's got a chance to get a title so i think if he takes it that'd be good and also i don't think that shingo's gonna look bad for losing it like he's been such a fucking boss with this title and it's it's kind of the never titles thing. Like it's it's yeah. The never titles not people it's not like a each other for no one's stuff. sitting there going like oh you're only a transitional never champion. It's like mm, it's the never championship. Like yeah, like I feel like a never title reign is judged less on the length of the reign and more the yeah. intensity of the reign. It's it's kind of and, it's yeah, kind it's of their twenty four seven championship basically. Yeah, it's like 24-7 and hardcore, yeah. like all kind of mixed up into one. And yeah, so Takagi and Kaveridge are going to smash each other until one guy falls down yeah, and exactly. can't get up. That is great. All right, so yeah, that's a good call. It's a good call. Um, all right, what am I getting? All right, I'm, so I'm going to go Hiromu next. Um, so I'm going to say that, yeah, Hiromu wins night one, and then he's going to beat Ishimori here to close out their series for this year and regain the junior title. Interesting. You, you didn't want to go with El Phantasma for the <laughs> <laughs> It's like, Hiroma wins night one, but then El Phantasma comes out of night two. beats <laughs> Taiji Ishimori. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a lock. I feel like it's... They kind of used to do this a little bit with Kushida, it seems like, where they would just do like, you know, he has the title... He eventually loses it to somebody, and then they build up to him just winning it back, and then it's the, his title of the division. The chase is always what better, right? Like doing with Hiromu. Now. Right, and yeah, like Hiromu is the junior ace now, and so it was like, all right, this year, like who's the guy that's going to take it? We'll put on Ishimori for a little bit, and then all right, build up the chase back to getting it. 
back from that guy. And he's got to go through ELP. And then he gets Ishimori. And then boom. Because so this is the other thing that scares me. Is because the story they're mm-hmm. doing with Hiromu, there's an even greater chance that I think they're going to try to do the same thing with Naito, right? Because if, if Hiromu has to win back-to-back nights, and he wins night one, then Naito has to do back-to-back wins, and he wins night one. Then they're both going into night two like, all right, we won night one. Now we just got to win night two. And if Hiromu wins again, then you're even further conditioned as part of the audience to be like, all right, come on, Naito, mm. you can do it too. And then boom, Jay White there. cuts him off at the end. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that's a thing that scares me. It's like, fuck. Anyway, your pick then for the next match. We got, uh, yeah, the main event. We got Snada Evil and the KOPW four-way. Uh, I'm gonna go with. We didn't we didn't predict evil versus Sonata yet, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go with evil. Correct. Hmm. Yeah, this I could. Yeah, I could it's, it's just one of those singles way. matches. Uh, what's your thoughts on either way? Evil. I just think with the whole like the possible factioning of Bullet Club, um. Uh, with evil, I think that's that's why he gets the win here. Mm, mm-hmm. So just kind of like further put over uh, him yeah. as part of like the new faction there. Yeah, this one's yeah, it is really rough because like I feel like in a lot of ways, evil should win to further get over his turn and just like being part of the Bullet Club and stuff like that. Um, but then at the same time, like, I don't know, there's a lot of me that just kind of like, damn it, Sonata's been fucked <laughs> over a lot this year. And I think that evil, I think people could take this loss and still be a piece of shit, especially if, like, the way that he gets his comeuppance maybe is that it's like, all right, Sonata can't beat him on his own. But then, like, you know, evil keeps using Dick Togo to his advantage, and then Sonata could counter him with Bushi. So then it's basically like Sonata and Bushi together kind of beat evil, I feel like would help preserve the storyline and not like it, I don't think evil would look bad mm-hmm. that way like I think he'd be fine but then again I don't know at the same time like the big part of my other head candidate is like leading into a potential idea for a bullet club civil war I think if evil gets the win here that'd be really important especially if then by contrast say if Jay mm. White does not get the win that would like make him look even better by comparison, give more of a credence as to like why he could perform a coup. Perhaps. Gotcha. So I don't know. I, I, there's a lot going on in my head in this match. And I'm interested to see how it all plays out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Sonata Bushi thing, I think that definitely should happen as far as like a counter Dick Togo and just really bring it back to like the fact that this is all about the betrayal of LIJ. Yeah. Cause I think, I, don't know, I think the only thing that I think could have made this a lot stronger is if the fact that uh, Sonata had maybe reacted to all this sooner, but maybe him reacting too soon would have betrayed his character too much because he's like the cold skull. He's like the yeah, uh, he has the, like, he has to kind of one. tag in the shadows, it's so like, to speak. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, see, I'll take Sonata for that one. All right, my prediction here for the next match, I'm going to go for the main event. Double title match versus uh, who knows make it through night one versus Jay White. 
I'm going to pick whoever makes it through night one. I'm picking Ibushi. I'm going to say that Ibushi wins these double titles after retaining, or not retaining, after winning them off of Naito. Then Jay White, the guy who's had his fucking number all year, is finally going to get the win over Jay White. And maybe he does it even in a brutal enough hmm. fashion to do a double turn. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can have any argument for Jay White winning, depending on, like, even if it's Naito coming out of night one. I think it's going to be either Naito or Bushi. I don't see Jay White coming out with both championships. So, yeah, so what? why do you feel not confident that Jay White can win? Because, like, I definitely think that there's a possibility, even if it's a lesser possibility, but I'm curious as somebody who doesn't watch New Japan as much, like, what is it? I don't know. I've never seen Jay White as just like a new Japan guy. Like how I've seen it. I I don't know how to explain it. Like Zack Sabre Jr. And like all those other like international guys. Like I'm like, yes, I see them as new Japan guys. And just for some reason, Jay White has never clicked with me Mm -hmm. in the promotion. Like I see him as a good, like mid card guy. Like if he was going for like the junior heavyweight championship or something like that. Uh, then I could be like, yeah, mm-hmm. I see him winning that one. But I just, and it, maybe because it's both titles too. Maybe if it was just the Intercontinental or something like that, I could see like, all right, yeah, mm-hmm. Jay White can win that. I just don't see him holding both, and I, I don't have a better explanation than that. It's just like this gut feeling. Yeah, yeah, because like I'm, I'm a lot of like my thinking around it is mostly just in that like I think it would be a much more satisfying, interesting story for him to like have set him up self, had him set himself up like so well that it's like basically in his mind it's like I can't fail, like there's no way I'm not walking yeah. out of this double champion, right? And then whoever does make it out of that grueling battle on night one does fucking pull the giant upset, makes him look like the absolute <laughs> biggest dick in the world because like he also basically had the same mentality going into the finals for G1. He was like, I've got this in the fucking bag. Like, I'm going to win G1. Like, I'm going to win my block and all this shit. And then Ishii upsets him on the last night, preventing him from getting into the finals, making mm-hmm. him look like a total dickhead. Like, so I feel like that would be a really interesting story, right? As far as like the over cocky heel, then sort of fucks himself over. And then whatever the fallout would that be, like whether it leads into some sort of bullet clubs of a war or just him getting angry, coming back for the title with more of a vengeance, uh, you know, or who knows what it would be. Or maybe there would be like some sort of other development of the story. I don't know. But I just think that would be really interesting to do rather than like, it almost would seem just too like disappointing and deflating and almost like, of course, this is what happened if like, you know, it's like, oh, Jay White did just win after picking the bones off of whoever mm-hmm. was beaten up from night one. And then he just wins and then that's it. It's like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, I feel like it would be really deflating. And maybe that would be like, the perfect like anti like like i was talking about like this weird art show feel like if this is supposed to be like this dour like anti regular new japan year where normally the big thing is the closing segment of wrestle kingdom is like the champion the ace like whether it be okada or tanahashi basically like, standing there tall with the title although last year finally naito celebrating so it's like the heel doesn't win at the end of wrestle kingdom so like maybe this would be their weird like all right fuck it. it's weird covid year there's nobody here we can do things differently. We can just have Jay White deflate the room and just sit there with the titles <laughs> and it'd be silent. <laughs> like, I could see that happening, you know? Like, because of the weird conditions. Like, if this were a normal year, 
I think JY would have a lesser chance of winning. But almost because of how shit has gone down, it's like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they'll just do the it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, there, you can be a lot more weirdly experimental in this time, I think. Because yeah, you don't true. have, like, the same obligations and pressures of like playing to a live crowd to the same extent but like i mean obviously they need to still care about doing well for business and trying to keep subscribers but like new japan world has been doing just as well if not better throughout the whole year so Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know where their head's at but that's my thought uh any more thoughts on the main event yeah to the final match here the kopw four-way all right Who, who are you taking here who's going to become the Provisional 2021 King of Pro Wrestling. I I just think Yano's made it so much like comedy that I think he just keeps it. Like I see this now as like this yeah. is actually their 24-7, right? Yeah. Um so so yeah, I see yeah, it as like really weird Yano has made it so much title. his thing that like yeah he just keeps it. All right, so going for a Yano retention to the new year. Um, I'm gonna say, let's take it a new direction. I'm gonna say Suzuki wins it, and he's gonna be like, all right, no more of this comedy fucking bullshit. I'm the actual king of pro wrestling. And I'm going to kill motherfuckers. <laughs> so, let's do it. <laughs> and he's going to start with killing Yano. Just be like, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you for mocking pro wrestling. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and what if this leads into... Because, like, okay. Eventually, because of how stupid the little trophy thing <laughs> looks, I kind of want them to just eventually get rid of this thing. So, if... This could lead to maybe a storyline of, like... Because I think Suzuki's getting old. Eventually, he's going to pass off the torch in Suzuki-gun to somebody else. So if he becomes the king of pro wrestling this year, this could lead into a storyline where then finally maybe he uh, drops that title to either like Tai Chi or uh, Zach and they become the king of pro wrestling and they use that as kind of like a vehicle to then oust Suzuki and become like the new leader of whatever their goon would be like Tai Chi goon or Saber goon or whatever. I think that's possible. Yeah. That could be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a better use of the King of Pro Wrestling than they did last year. So that's that's my pitch. Yeah, culminated in yeah, like Wrestle Kingdom 15, 16. You have a match like maybe it's like Tai Chi versus uh, Suzuki again. Like they had it in G one, and Tai Chi actually did win. And I was expecting that to lead to more, but it didn't yet. So maybe that's further down the line, and maybe this could be it. Maybe it could be like yeah, Tai Chi versus Suzuki, King of Pro Wrestling twenty twenty one thingy at. Wrestle Kingdom 16, but then it's like I can also see that. retirement. I don't know. I don't know. But that almost may be too, like, I think it would have to be an ambush, because I'm trying to remember how, I think it was like Suzuki had overthrown Kojima to take that, and it was through ambush. So, maybe they couldn't even do it honorably through a match. It would have to be ambush again. Whatever. Either way, I'm excited for the future, because that's, that's one of my favorite factions. Hmm. And I can't wait to see what they do. Um, so I think that I think that's everyone. Yeah, wraps up Wrestle Kingdom. Then yeah. All right, predictions are in the bag. Uh, let's see. So, 
2020 was a fucking hell of a year. 2021 is going to be too. No, just that I hope things go a lot better in 2021 than they did in 2020. Absolutely. Well, hey, I mean, we definitely got some bright things to look on the horizon. Yeah, you're newly engaged, so you've got a bright future ahead of yourself. Like I'm loving my life, married to my wife, and uh, exactly, yeah, we got we got exciting wrestling to look forward to. Yeah, it's not as exciting as Wrestle Kingdom 14, but still, Wrestle Kingdom 15 is going to be good, and uh, we'll see what else happens in the world of wrestling, especially you know, as morbid as it is, I'm interested to see what kind of happens in the uh, yeah Brody Lee's death with the Dark Order in AEW as well. Any any uh, insights or thoughts as to what they could? Uh, do I gotta give like, Corey credit on this. He said, "I wonder if they just flip it and go back to like Matt Hardy as the leader, which is what the original rumor plan was." Mm. Right. That's right. Yeah, maybe they could do that. Because I'm trying to think, like, what does Matt Hardy do? Yeah, uh, stuff with like the the party guys, like. Uh, oh yeah. Oh my god! Why am I forgetting the name right now? Yeah. It's like the Hardy Party thing, right? And it's the... Uh, private Party, yeah. I was like, it's something party. Why am I shit. thinking? <laughs> private Party. That's their name. Yeah. I was like, why can't I remember these guys' names? Yeah. So yeah, maybe the maybe the Hardy Party joins the Dark Order. Makes it the... Uh, I don't know. That's, you know what, that's another question. Is, do you think that they should keep the same name? Or do you think they should kind of like retire it with Brody? Uh, I think they're going to keep the same name. But I think... Maybe they'll just like, um, I don't know, honor Brody somehow with it. It might change a little bit. I don't know. So I think I think it'd be really cool, like if they kept kind of like the exalted one is like something that's maybe part of the dark one, like the dark cult. Yeah. But like, you know, he's not an active mm-hmm. figure anymore, right? Because you know he's dead. But like, they still revere him, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's actually a really good call. So uh, yeah, if, if they did it with Matt Hardy, that would be a really interesting direction. I think they could do that well. But yeah, if not them, I'm trying to think, like, wasn't Adam yeah, Page Adam trying Page to fuck around with them a little bit? as well as uh, uh, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, that could mm-hmm. be an interesting direction, too. Like, what if, what if Adam Page kind of took over? But anyway. That's not our decisions. We're not bookers <laughs> for them. I'm only booker for Seven Star Wrestling, so I got to make my decisions for for that promotion. And uh, so, shout out for people who are listening from there. If there's any of the people from the server, get the Seven Star Clash or Seven Star <laughs> Classic. Fuck, I'm messing up my own shit. It's gonna be even better. I think that's a fifteen. Call. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> All right, that's a good call. All right, so. I think without further ado, we'll be signing off then. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you all next time.